0: Hello and welcome to the Worst Movies Grand podcast. My name is Bobby and this is my beautiful wife, Natalie. This episode we are watching
1: Star Trek V, The Final Frontier. From what year, Natalie? 1989.
0: Natalie, tell the people at home what the worst movies we own podcast is all about.
1: Um, sorry, I was getting lulled <laughs> into sleep then. Uh, so, Bobby and I are married. We watch a lot of films together and we've decided to watch the worst DVDs we own according to the ratings the films have received on the website Letterboxd. Some we've seen before, some we haven't. Uh, we've not bought any of the DVDs specifically for this podcast. It's a random combination of stuff included in box sets. Charity shop gambles and films we've bought that other people just don't enjoy. Uh, We'd like to find some new treasures amongst these low rated films. So we're watching each one with an open mind, hoping for the best. Beam me up, Scotty. Oh, this is going to get very tiresome. (laughs) There's (laughs) loads. You big Star Trek fan? Oh, I'm not a big Star Trek fan. You're not a Trekker? No, because, I mean, you really have to... There's quite a bold statement to make to yeah. say you're a big Star Trek fan. We don't we?
0: know no Klingon, do we? No. We don't dress up as Seven and Nine. Is and it... you, you don't even know who Seven and Nine <laughs> oh, is, no, do you? So no. there you go. It's used from one of the latest TV series. Oh,
1: right, okay. It's a hot borg. I've never seen any <laughs> of the spin-off TV series. You've never seen Next TV Generation? Series? No. No? No, I've got no no desire to watch them. Uh, but I do have an affection for the original TV series, and um, I remember watching a couple of the films when I was a kid and enjoying them.
0: Yeah, I like Kirk and Bones and Spock and Scotty and Uhura and Chekhov and Sulu. Yeah, and I want to watch them in adventures. And I did, I did enjoy Next Generation and watch it at tea time, but it, I didn't enjoy it quite as much as watching. Uh, the original sixty Star Treks with my dad at tea time. Yeah, like you know, you'd have like a Star Trek and then a Western or a Western and then a Star Trek, and it was you know it was good sofa watching when I was a little kids.
1: Yeah, and and they were they were pretty well made and well written, um, in terms of being something for all the family because it had an easy plot to understand where they land on a, a planet and have to work out what's going on and yeah. they get out of a pickle, mm. um, but a lot of the episodes also had kind of hidden depths, which yeah. I suppose is what made them so popular with adults.
0: Philosophical or political resonances. Yeah. Uh, yeah I, I, I think it's a great concept for a show. And I, I, I've tried to always, when they've tried to reboot it as a, a new crew of characters with a slightly different ship, mm. I've always tried to watch the first couple of episodes. I'd really like to get into Star Trek again and watch them. But it's the originals that I like. And, you know, kind of... I don't even have as much affection for the next generation, which I you know some of my age should absolutely love.
1: Which one is that?
0: That's the one with Picard.
1: Right, okay. Yeah. Yeah, no, not for
0: me. Yeah. I mean, for, for many people listening to this, I think they probably got more of, they're more attuned to the next generation than they are the original series. Whereas mm. I, I, I really like that set of characters, the original crew, the original vibe, and the films being a continuation of that. Um, and I even prefer the reboot where they recast everyone on the Kelvin timeline with Chris Pine and oh, yeah. And,
1: um,
0: and Zachary Quinto. I think those are just as much fun. And if anything, continue the adventure in exactly the way I want.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's, I mean, the thing I enjoy about the original and those new ones, though I've not seen the third of the new ones, is the, they capture the, the camaraderie and the, the, the characters. And yeah. that's, the, that's the thing I like um so whilst i'm not really into space i can enjoy those because mm. because it's like yeah. any kind of adventure isn't it
0: it's like it's, it's it's men on the mission it's it's yeah it's the wagon train in space and i, I don't think we're saying anything original, exciting but the original concept works absolutely great and they cast those characters perfectly in the original series so that when you're watching them 25 years later and they're older and, yeah, probably a little bit past it to be doing the dare and do. Mm. Uh, you still enjoy seeing them all team up and pal around. Yeah. Yeah, it, it works great as a franchise. I, I wish more quality fantasy and sci-fi TV series did this, rather than constantly rebooting with new crews and cast. Yeah. I'd, I'd love to see uh, a Buffy film well, every 10 years. So. I
1: was just going to say, they made a really good TV show set on a spaceship in space. Firefly,
0: and yeah. they cancel it after one series. But they did. They did do the. Um, they did, did the, the film Serenity. to wrap, wrap things yeah. up. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, I think essentially the the cleverer thing to do would have been, f- you've established the ensemble in in the TV series, mm-hmm. and then every five years or so you get you get another continuation of that story. Serenity was very much a full stop mm-hmm. on on the plot, though, which is but but Buffy, I think it could have easily been revisited. Five, ten, twenty years ago, mm. and we would have had an, another Buffy every now and again. I would have, I would have really enjoyed that. Yeah, I, I I try to think if there's any other TV shows where it would have worked really well.
1: It, I mean, it's unusual, really, to have so many films like you have with these Star Trek ones mm. sp- spun off from something yes. which is very much a TV series. More often than not with American shows you get like the feature length episodes, which yeah. are all just T V movies, you know, it'd be like a feature length murder she wrote where she goes to Ireland and is in no. a haunted castle. Or
0: Night Rider two thousand or Baywatch Hawaiian yeah. Hawaiian, <laughs> Hawaiian wedding, whatever it is.
1: And there's just nothing wrong with that. No, no. I've spent many a happy Saturday afternoon watching those.
0: But but the the seventies the and eighties and nineties Star Trek films are very much we are doing a feature length continuation of the series it's almost like uh, an episode done with modern effects and a a bigger budget and a more lavish sense of scope than could have possibly been done in the 60s -hmm. on the tv show's budget yeah so but i mean the the charm and the intelligence and the sense of adventure of the original tv show is kept there and almost magnified by it being a feature-length cinematic release
1: I mean, I don't know if there are plans to have any more, probably not, considering David Milch's situation. But um, like the fact that they made... <laughs> He's betting right now. <laughs> He's at the casino right now,
0: blowing it. Oh. <laughs> um,
1: they made that Deadwood film, yeah. which was great. And that's the kind of thing that it would be lovely to have another two or three of those yeah. like, in the pipeline, which...
0: Finger-on-nose you know, point you. view. I know, again, that was conceived as we didn't really finish the TV series, so here's something to conclude things. But I think the film, if I remember rightly, left everything open. Oh, yeah. and, and it'd be lovely in ten years' time to see where things are. And I know that some characters in Deadwood are real people mm-hmm. um, and yeah, historical figures. and it'd be. I know Al Swarindran had a continued kind of interesting history and it'd be lovely to see that take place maybe in a year in five or ten years time mm-hmm. deadwood's a really good show. i mean obviously it's one of my favorite tv shows ever so obviously i want to see more Deadwood.
1: yeah but there are other shows that you could do that with you mm. know that it, like i suppose boardwalk empire had more of a line under it but yeah. you can have shows where you you could pick a character from the show and do a spin-off feature film of that character yeah.
0: Um well maybe we will see more breaking bad ones because El Camino oh, was yeah. such a success. But I will say El Camino felt more like two episodes of Breaking Bad jam together that happened to lately yeah. after the T V series. Yeah. Where to continue just whereas it would have been nicer if that was more of an event. Like they embraced the fact they had to pick a bigger budget to yeah. do something. Mm-hmm. Uh but yeah, that's a like kind of I I'm I'm I think it's a shame they don't do it more often. Uh and Star Trek is a testament. This, 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 this film series was in the eighties one of uh, Paramount's like kind of key money earners. Mm-hmm. Eddie Murphy, they had on a on a multi picture contract. Indiana Jones mm-hmm. and this, they didn't have to worry about having hits because they had these free. If you if you count Eddie Murphy as a franchise these three wonderful franchises that were guaranteed to make money every time. Right. This particular film, Star Trek Five, mm-hmm. is the first one that wobbled.
1: So did this get a, a cinema release?
0: <laughs> yeah. All oh, right. right, okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but inter- <laughs> interestingly, because it didn't do quite so well in America, a lot of countries got it on video, so it made it made all of its disappointing amount of money in America. I think it got a release in the UK and everywhere else, it was kind of VHS. Okay. Mm. Oh, that makes
1: sense. But,
0: yeah, that's a shame for, yeah, some yeah, the, the last four films have been blockbusters. The fifth mm. one doesn't do quite so well. Uh, I, I think we'll talk about that in the podcast. I know why this film didn't do quite so well okay. beyond its reputation of not being quite as good. Okay. Uh, yeah, th- th- there's a really good reason why it didn't do quite okay. so well. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, do you want to do that now? The reason? Oh,
1: yeah. Well, yeah, no, I <laughs> want to know.
0: They, they released it in the summer where Ghostbusters 2 was out. Indiana Jones, which is their own bloody franchise, was released the <laughs> week before. Dead Poets of Sight, Feel the Dreams, uh, Licence to Kill. Uh, oh, right. you know, Honey, yeah, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, all within a three-week period. It was one of those summers that we get quite a lot now where they they just made too many blockbusters. Okay. And too many blockbusters, and, and something's going to suffer. And this was one of the the weaker members of the herd right? that got kind of left behind. And there were other problems, which we'll discuss over the podcast. There are issues with the special effects. It probably isn't the, the paciest film ever. Mm. But it's not a bad film.
1: No. I enjoyed it far more than I expected to. <laughs> Yeah, me
0: too. Me, definitely me too. Like, I've never gone watch this since I was a kid and I don't really have strong memories of it. But it was, it was perfectly fine. But you can't compete with, like, kind of some of the biggest stars and blockbusters and franchises no. and just plot this out and expect it to make a hundred million. Usually the Star Trek films in the eighties were released in over Christmas, Thanksgiving yeah. release, where there's le- you know there's less traffic and there's more time for it to leg out yeah. and make you know two or three months worth of money. This yeah. Batman came out the weekend afterwards. Right, <laughs> yeah, just
1: a bad decision. Right? <laughs>
0: really like stupid someone... decision. Mm. There's no oxygen, there's no screens left <laughs> for this to make any money. So the, you can't say it's a qualitative assessment of the film that it made so much less money than the one where they go to Earth in the 80s mm. and, and say, well, that shows it's a bad film. I think it's just a case of... Paramount really should have just went, let's just, let's just hold it off until there's a couple of weeks where there's no big release and then it will really kind of soak up people who are just still looking for some blockbuster fun. Okay. Hmm.
1: Fair enough. I can't understand why that meant it didn't make money. I don't really understand why it's got such a low rating.
0: Well, we will discuss that. I guess. Mm-hmm. Anything you want to get off your chest before we begin?
1: Yeah, I was. I was just thinking along the lines of, okay. So I, th- I kind of thought this was a TV movie. My bad. Um... <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, that that is a problem, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Um, though, a very like a very good quality one, very high production values. But still, I it got me to thinking about how we watch films in a different way now. So now we've got access all the time to so many. Um, to so many films, all the films, the blockbusters, and and we see quality films at the touch of a button. Like, yeah. and you don't enjoy it, you can switch to another one.
0: Um, we're, we're we're recording this on a long weekend. I'm not going to give the exact date, so that it doesn't reveal how how you know how in advance we record some of these episodes. But uh, we've had a, we've we've had a, a long weekend of just watching blockbusters, pretty much. Some yeah. of them completely new, some of them old favorites, some of them. Things that we haven't watched in years. Yeah. And it's it's just been a great weekend, like, of, of just like kind of films of varying quality, but all of them made to entertain you and entertain
1: everyone. True, but you know, if you eat like premium chocolate all the time, you're going to get sick. <laughs> Again, not giving right. away what weekend we're recording this. All right, Bruce Brock But I mean, <laughs> I, I think. It makes me feel nostalgic for, from when I was a kid and you had a long weekend and you had like four VHS tapes. So you'd already watched them all twice yeah. by the time you got to the Monday of the long weekend. And you just put the TV on and you'd watch whatever was on. Mm. And and you would watch some something that was made on a low budget or something that you've never heard of before. And quite enjoy it. And it was a perfectly fine, pleasant way to spend an afternoon. Yeah, an
0: afternoon filler is what I like to call them. Like, yeah. kind of, they're PG or PG-13 before the swearing cut out and the boobies yeah. kind of obscured.
1: But that's how you see those films. <laughs> mm. And now you've got people who will only watch films that either they've heard of or Netflix tells them that they would enjoy. Yeah, because yeah, God yeah, forbid got anyone <laughs> should give a rid- like a, a gamble yeah. on something. Um. And so loads and lo- like, thousands of films are just going to fall through the cracks because... No one's watching them on a Saturday afternoon. The only films that people actually seem to stick on the TV and take a gamble on and watch are those god-awful Christmas films on the Christmas <laughs> <Yeah>. TV <laughs> channel. And, and they shouldn't. They should be sitting down on a Saturday afternoon after they've had a sandwich and done what they're going to do for the day and just put on, you know, Star Trek V.
0: I know we sing the 80s and 90s praises when it comes to cinema, and, and we're talking about kind of blockbuster Hollywood cinema a lot on the podcast. It's, you know, it's our jam. Mm. It very much is. Uh, but I think one of the real positives of terrestrial TV is this movie would have had its rights sold to the BBC to be their big Christmas mm. 1991 mm. terrestrial network premiere screening before it was made. <laughs> so it doesn't matter how good or bad it is, it would have been on... On the bank holiday weekend, right at the time when you've run out of things to do, mm-hmm. and you would have watched it, and because probably so few people went to see it at the cinema, yeah, it didn't do quite so well. Mm-hmm. It it probably did really well on VHS. It probably did really well when it was shown on TV because. Mm no one had seen it it's not even like kind of oh batman's on we've seen seen batman and we've got it on got it on video yeah yeah it's like this would have been we probably should give that star trek film a try the new one's coming out quite soon yeah (laughs) (laughs) um do you want to tell the people at home what the plot of star trek 5 the final frontier is yeah i don't know
1: why you're laughing it's a good plot okay so um you've got Cybok, who is a vulcan terrorist and he has the power (laughs) to brainwash people Um, by making them confront their own personal pain and kind of get over it. Um, He is hanging out on this peace planet, Nimbus 3, but he really wants a spaceship um, so that he can break through the Great Barrier um, where he believes that he's going to find God on a planet called Shikari. So he takes hostage three ambassadors um, on Nimbus 3, um, a Klingon, a Romulan, and a human, hoping that... um, He can lure a rescue ship to the planet, which he can appropriate and go through the Great Barrier. So Captain Kirk and his crew get called back from shore leave um, to investigate this activity (laughs) on Nimbus 3. And they uh, meet up with Cyborg and get involved with his quest. um, And they all end up heading off together.
0: Yeah. Brilliant stuff. Uh, Facts and figures. Uh, Star Trek V The Final Frontier from 1989 was directed by William Shatner. Yeah. Uh, the reason he directed the film is him and Leonard Nimoy from the TV series Days had a contract that said if one of them got a pay rise, the other one got a pay rise. If one of them directed an episode, the other directed an episode. If one wrote an episode, the other one wrote an episode. And obviously the last two Star Trek films have been directed by Leonard Nimoy. Yeah. And Leonard Nimoy, you know, then went on to direct uh, Three Men and a Baby and became even richer than he imagined he would do <laughs> yeah. without having to put on prosthetic ears. Uh-huh. <laughs> so yeah, you can understand that William Shatner, even though he's had a very successful career in releasing his albums and writing his mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> terror war novels, <laughs> probably wanted a little bit of that free, bit of the baby action thought, well, if I direct the Star mm-hmm. Trek, I have got I can make the next big kind of family Tom Selleck blockbuster. <laughs> um, it's written by a gentleman... It, Obviously, the usual Star Trek producers and yeah. stars have had their input into the story, so they get a the credit. But the screenplay was written by a guy called David Lowry, who is um, not someone I'd heard of before, mm-hmm. but has had a very consistent career through the 80s, 90s and noughties. Um, he wrote Dreamscape. He wrote the Kiefer Sutherland, Charlie Sheen, Three Musketeers. Okay. Uh, Passenger 57 lakeview terrace he mainly over the last kind of 10 years has uh, written uh yuppie and peril thrillers oh so, so I'm yeah sure I've seen things, some of those, things yeah things we would definitely watch on a saturday night yeah um star trek five stars <laughs> <laughs> stop me if you've heard this one before <laughs> william shatner leonard nimoy DeForest kelly michelle nicole's georgia kai and james dohan um it was released on June 9th, 1989, and went up against all the films I listed mm. only a few minutes earlier in the podcast. Um, it cost 33 million to make um, and only made 63 million around the world. Um, it was number one when it came out on its weekend. It knocked Indiana Jones off the top, sh- top spot.
1: How long had Indiana Jones been on that spot? I don't know oh it's quite impressive then. <laughs> yeah it's
0: quite, it's quite yeah. but then after that no, it, it kind of died a quick death after Batman oh came it out. didn't
1: embarrass itself then did it well I know but it
0: made less than they wanted a 33 million dollar film to make
1: but they made money what more
0: do they want yeah uh, and then, like I say they released our video around the world yeah. in the main because they didn't want to risk it um, mm-hmm. it has an internet movie database score of 5.5 mm-hmm. and a letterbox score of 2.4 mm-hmm. so let's take a little break and we'll go on to discussing the film in depth sure Natalie, what did you like about Star Trek V, the final frontier?
1: Well, I'd just like to say how nice it is to see the off gang back together. Yeah. Um, and everybody looks fabulous. Even <laughs> Craggy. Craggy, yes. <laughs> but, you know, the California sun is <laughs> just gives a lovely glow, doesn't yeah. it? <laughs> Everyone's got a great tan. Um the so I think special um snaps need to go. For the whoever the hairdresser slash wig maker because <laughs> hair, nice. hair restorer, hair restorer, yeah, <laughs> um, and they just they, they they, I'm sure they don't you know they, as a group of people they probably don't socialise in between making Star Trek, I, 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 but again not being a
0: one of those super fans. No. Uh, I don't know, but I'm sure they don't. They don't have very good relationships. Offset.
1: I think yeah. Scotty in particular and uh, William Shatner. I read somewhere didn't okay. get along. Right. Um, but you don't probably see because
0: that. one wears a girdle and one doesn't. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, I think they clearly put any kind of problems they do have aside because they do have a nice camaraderie. Yeah. Especially. The main three, the mm-hmm. triumvirate, if you will, yeah. of... Um, the Trinity. The Trinity, yes. Scotty, uh, not Scotty, sorry, Kirk. <laughs> well, they've all got Scottish names, it's confusing. Kirk, um, Bones, and Spock. Yeah. Um, even when it's just ridiculous, uh, at the beginning, they're all in Yosemite National Park mm. camping together because we're on shore leave. Yeah. And um, they have just this daft kind of scene where... Kirk is climbing a mountain. Bones is terrified for his safety, so he's yeah. watching him through a pair of binoculars. Mm. And Spock <laughs> has gone up on some um flying boots, what would they
0: Jetpack boots? Jetpack boots. boots. Now, uh, sure leave outfits who wore it
1: best? Oh, Bones has got a really nice, kind of very light denim jacket with um, kind of sheep fur, sheep yeah. wool collar,
0: a nice bandana around his
1: neck, yeah, and then um. <laughs> Oh, yeah. (laughs) Um, Kirk is wearing kind of your typical, like, lumberjack outfit. I think when
0: he's clothing, he's got a shell suit on.
1: Oh, I think he's got special... Funny little shoes as well. (laughs) Like, future shoes. Future (laughs) clothes. But Spock is is different. He's Mm. wearing alien clothes. Mm. Um, So I would say... Probably the bandana tips in but Bones wears yeah. it, it best. And
0: if he was cruising in the forest, he's definitely sending <laughs> off signals, had not he?
1: Yeah. <laughs> well, also in the forest, but separate from the group of three, are Sulu and Chekhov. They were lost. Yeah. <laughs> but <kind of laughs> separately holidaying, but clearly in the same place. Yeah.
0: It's, it's almost as if uh, they're sitting on the bridge and they hear uh, Kirk, Spock and Bones discuss their holiday plans. Mm. And i well, let's not tell them we're going to the same place. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> we'll just try and dodge them. <laughs> that's probably how they got lost. <laughs> um,
1: but it's nice and it's fun and it's sweet. Um, and, you know, it's it, it's sort of happening separately from what we're seeing on Nimbus yeah. 3, which is the action and the... Things football. are unfolding. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that's nice. And when, you know, you've got all the other characters, everyone comes back. Um, no Janice, no. unfortunately.
0: no. Well, she does come back for one of yeah. the films, I believe. Is it the later one? or?
1: I'm not sure which one it is, but okay. she does come back for, for
0: one no. of them. Pro- okay. Probably for the best, because this is quite a quite a, a, a fraught missing, mission, like, full of peril. Yeah. And uh, yeah, you don't want someone constantly fucking it up.
1: No. Charles <laughs> didn't fuck it up. She did often. Um, I don't know. <laughs> At least she sort of made more of an effort than all those silent people. <laughs> <laughs> um, and she had a lovely little handbag. She always had tissues for everyone. <laughs> um, but yeah, so you get a bit of Sulu and a bit of Chekhov and a bit of Uhura and a bit of um, of Scotty. Yeah. Uh, but it really does revolve around the main mm. three. Um, and they seem to be having fun. It's nice. Yeah. Yeah, so I think that's what I liked about it most.
0: Yeah, all through the through, I completely agree with that. I enjoyed it when it was this the Star Trek legends playing the Star Trek characters you know and love together and just kind of gently bouncing off each other. Not, yeah. Didn't seem particularly forced. There's some nice gags. There's some nice tender moments.
1: Yeah. 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 And there are some good facial expressions. Um, Lola Nimoy, because he, Vulcans aren't kind of like
0: emotional. Yeah, he got that poker face. He's got a
1: poker face, but he still manages somehow <laughs> to convey. It's usually kind of like... An eye roll without actually rolling his eyes or something <laughs> Kirk has said. It's very skillful. And it's funny. I mean, I laughed several times out loud at their um, their funny moments. and I the did jokes. too, yeah. Yeah. Um, but like you said, it wasn't forced, and that's mm. nice. Um, so I-, I like the story as well. I think it's a good storyline and it's easy to follow. It is the kind of thing that if you're watching on a Saturday afternoon, um, full of chocolate, uh, and you're, you're half asleep you can still follow it it's not complicated mm-hmm. but it has that star trek thing of having a kind of you know a message yeah. as well which it's not really giving anything away but it's sort of um it comes down hard against uh religious fanaticism yes. Should we say mm-hmm. not religion and i think that's a really important distinction to make i don't like things that um come along and they Crap all over people's beliefs because people are entitled to believe whatever they want. Of this absolutely doesn't do that. No. It just points mm-hmm. a finger at people who just take it too far, yeah. which, you know, doesn't matter what religion you follow, taking it too far never mm. ends well, does it?
0: I thought that beyond the religious part, which I thought was very well handled, mm-hmm. um, probably more sensitively handled than the American production in modern times would do it. Yeah. Um, I also thought there was a nice message of your fears and bad emotions make you who you are, mm-hmm. and to live a life where you don't have them means you wouldn't be the person you would be, maybe mm-hmm. not as strong or as interesting as you would be. And it's, it's, it's just gently in there in a couple of scenes, because that's what Cyborg does. He, he steals yeah. your negativity and your, your fears, so, so you become almost like a brainless automaton of his. Yeah. And yeah you know, life life wouldn't be interesting if you didn't occasionally have to struggle up the hill
1: yeah no i agree that yeah. isn't an, yeah and it is another another message of the film there's even another little kind of it touches upon it but it's a very light touch because it is such a controversial area particularly in america but um dr bones's pain mm. comes from Uh, watching his father die and kind of facilitating or or speeding along the process of that yeah Yeah. so i mean it kind of very light touches upon um euthanasia Mm. as well but without kind of coming down on one side or the other and that's fine again it's another nice thing that star trek Mm. does it does these kind of yeah just you know plants the seeds
0: and and equally because we know bones has got such a strong respect for life he's a doctor and he's constantly concerned about the fucking idiots on the crew put themselves in peril yeah you know that that's not a decision he's taken lightly to kind of end his dad's pain yeah so you know without even expending more than maybe a few sentences on the, or a few images on their whole idea mm-hmm. it actually worked really well they picked exactly the right character to go through that kind of um trauma and for it to seem like a heroic and a right decision rather than some really kind of ma- meaty weighty topic just thrown in for one scene.
1: yeah hmm. yeah um it's, it's yeah it's very mm. well done um i think as well so you mentioned before um that there was an issue with special effects and stuff like that yeah. which is interesting because Do
0: you want me to give you a little history of that first About,
1: yeah yeah, yeah. get
0: any opinions as such yeah um Usually, um, George Lucas's Industrial Light and Magic did the special effects for the Star Trek films, Mm -hmm. did the last three. Mm -hmm. But this particular year, when uh, Star Trek was being rushed into production um, to keep the momentum going of the the previous hits Mm -hmm. and give William Shatner his chance, um, Industrial Light and Magic were held up for were doing. Ghostbusters 2
1: mm-hmm.
0: and Indiana Jones and The Last Crusade. Now, I would say if you know that your regular effects house can't facilitate your special effects because they're making two of potentially the biggest films of the <laughs> of the year, maybe that's a little hint that you don't kind of make a film for the same release date, mm-hmm. personally. But instead, they went with another special effects guy, a guy called uh, Brian Theron, who mm-hmm. did Altered States mm-hmm. and Little Shop of Horrors. Okay. Uh, and you can definitely see in kind of a lot of the swirling light orb kind of stuff. That that feels like the old state special effects. Okay. Um, he gave them a reasonable budget for what they wanted to do. And uh, Paramount said, no, no, you've got to cut that. Right. Uh, so he did. And then they said, yeah, you need to cut that some more. Uh, mm. So he ended up doing it for a lot less than he could achieve the effects on. uh a lot of the on-location effects work they had to do there practically didn't work on certain days, including the effects in the grand finale involving a rock man who was going to be like kind of... Is it Kronos, the kind of Greek god who creates chaos and basically creates the world? One of the Titans. Titans, yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. There would be a Kronos-style figure that that Kirk and the boys were supposed to fight mm. that you know, was the big bad at the end. Right. That didn't work on the day. So they decided to make him a, a glowing light face. Uh, test audiences hated that special effect so they tried to cut it back as much as possible. And I think it's probably fair to say the ending is quite raggedy. It it seems to be cutting around a lot of stuff that doesn't work. Um, whether your opinion on what they keep in the film is good or bad, I think the general consensus is it's not very good. Uh, what was your opinion?
1: Yeah, you see, I, I thought... I didn't know all that, obviously. Mm. Uh, I just assumed that they, they didn't have the budget for mm. much. But to me, it seemed like they understood the limits and they stayed within them mm. because nothing looked ridiculous. Okay, so maybe it didn't really occur to me as much as it might a fan of mm. this kind of thing um that there weren't as many special effects as you would expect to have. But because I'm not too fussed about seeing gigantic rock people,
0: mm.
1: it didn't really, you know, that, that didn't really bother me. I thought what they did have was was fine, was, you know...
0: I, I'd say I'm 50-50 on it. I, mean, I, go, I I could definitely see a film where a blockbuster really would have a, a very complicated effect shot and they went for the cheapest option possible. So when uh, they're collected from Yosemite Park, it's hmm. just Nich- Nichelle Nicole appearing... For, yeah, a big light binder, rather than having a shot of the spaceship. When Spock uses his jet boots, first of all, he's just there in a mid-level shot and you hear mm-hmm. a sound effect of him flying up rather than you see him fly up. Yeah. Um, and they can do those things with special effects. It just costs money to do them. Yeah. And, and the ending, like I say, you can definitely tell the, the editing is slicing out everything that doesn't work so that it just about tells the story to a satisfying conclusion, but you also know you're not seeing the spectacular ending that a film like this should have.
1: Okay, fine. But it's better than leaving in something that doesn't work.
0: And I agree with that as well. Yeah. That's, yeah I, I completely agree, but we've seen too many films, both in and out of this podcast, that a lot of money's been spent on CGI. And when you sit down and watch it, it doesn't work. And because they've spent the money, they keep it in. Yeah. Uh, we watched Deep Rising quite recently, which doesn't have the best CGI in the world. But one thing that Stephen Summers did really well in that film was when the effect didn't work, you only get quick glimpses of it. Yeah. So that you're never taken out of the energy of the story.
1: hmm mm. Yeah. And there's there's nothing wrong with that. There are loads of great films, um, which are about kind of creatures mm. or whatever, where you do only see glimpses or you see a bit and and your imagination fills in the rest anyway. Yeah. And anyone with an imagine, you know, even a half a decent imagination mm. should be able to do that. So mm. I don't think it's a problem.
0: There was quite a fun moment in uh, Godzilla versus King Kong, when we watched it recently, mm-hmm. where um, they recreate the Jaws cheat of... Because they couldn't afford... Mm-hmm. The, the shark didn't work. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had the barrels coming towards the boat, and they do that on such an epic scale of mm-hmm. uh, Kong... Uh, Godzilla dragging uh, half a battleship behind him, mm-hmm. and you see it coming towards him, and it, And it's like, we could do anything with our special effects, but we still choose to homage, like one of the nicest workarounds Mm. ever in
1: special effects history. Well, if you work in special effects and that kind of thing, you probably have a lot of respect for those workarounds. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I mean, it it would never be something that would make me um, come down against a film for there not to be enough aliens and nonsense. But what I do like in these kind of films is when you see, you know, like in the original TV series... Um, when you see them playing chess and it's space chess mm-hmm. you know just like the little things that remind you that it's the future whole yeah. <laughs> space
0: nice little bits of production design and props yeah yeah
1: and in this case when um, right at the beginning when uh, Cybot goes to Paradise City which is like the capital of Nimbus 3 where or whatever, the grass
0: is green and the girls are pretty
1: yeah you don't get that song <laughs> <laughs> it's the song it's right at the right <laughs> <No>. time
0: <laughs> um, they, it, they could have done the joke they're playing classical music
1: Yeah, okay. Um, The ambassadors that Cybok brainwashes and and takes hostage are in a pub. (laughs) Um, They're in the back room of a pub. What did the pub remind you of? It very much reminded me of um, the bar on... Is it it, Tatooine? Tatooine, yeah. yeah. Um,
0: (laughs) Almost to the point where you said as George Lucas going to say. So, yeah, he did Chris Lock rock line. Well, maybe it was, maybe
1: it was um, George Lucas's way of apology for not just not having enough time to, to do it. Look, just use some of our old props.
0: I, I'm not going to put words into George Lucas's mouth, but I'd be surprised if any of them were ever an apology.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, but a kind of rip-off aside, it has a couple of nice touchy so you've got like half woman half cat with three boobs who's like a table dancer Which she
0: keeps her nipples under the bra and like total recall yeah
1: yeah um there's a kind of billiards where there's a trough of water instead of the table mm. um and they're kind of like water polo i suppose yeah. um on the table and it you know just fancy drinks oh and there's a lovely cocktail party at the end i forgot to mention that as well mm. um where so because this is kind of like further along the line and they've established a peace planet and the Romulans and the Klingons and humans are all kind of getting along. Um, it almost goes a little bit haywire because there's this uh, renegade Klingon who decides that he might try and take advantage of the situation to settle all scores of Kirk. He's border
0: shooting space
1: garbage. Yeah, yeah. Which yeah. is fair enough. <laughs> yeah. Um, but then that all kind of gets resolved. Everyone's friends again by the end, which is lovely. And they have a very nice cocktail party with this blue... Drink. Yeah. <laughs>
0: you think it's Blue, blue Wicked oh, Blue Wicked isn't <laughs> yeah. it? Um, on, on the like the nice little bits of future production design one one thing uh, one nice bit of trivia is David Warner to give his character a bit more sophistication was given a futuristic cigarette that self lit oh. every time and he kept forgetting to use it oh. so they spent thousands of dollars on this prop and they never once got into the film because of David Warner just couldn't be asked to to remember to use it in a shot. He, he was too
1: busy trying to remember his six lines of dialogue. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, not in it very much.
0: I think this film went through a lot of editing back and forth, a lot of post-production because um, A, the special effects stuff we've talked about, but also it was running over two hours and that would have affected the amount of screenings it would have got in a day. Yeah. Um, so they really wanted to get down to an hour and 45. And I really get the feeling because there's a lot of everyone you love mm-hmm. is possibly those um, one-off characters like the Romulan David Warner mm-hmm. who, who kind of got snipped out of it and only seem to have their own little backstory happening literally behind the main characters while the action's going on there's some kind of romance between David Warner and the Romulan but yeah. you see you yeah. see happening behind the main action, but it's it's not there in the foreground at all.
1: Yeah, I don't know if I would have wanted to sacrifice the other characters, given them you know, yeah. wanted to condense own time. I think they made the right choice with keeping the focus on the main characters. I would definitely agree with that as well.
0: I think the film's the perfect length it should be. Mm-hmm. Uh, just because you film it doesn't mean it works. Yeah. Hmm. Anything else you liked?
1: I think I've covered everything I wanted to talk about. Um, well, you know what the next question is then, don't you? What, didn't, what I you didn't like? like I... Kind of it actually follows on from what we we just said. Um and this is really the only criticism that I wanna make. Um but I would have liked to have seen more of the some of the smaller characters from The Enterprise. Because I know it's kind of in keeping with the original T V series mm. that you don't really get very much of a or you know, they get a few yeah. lines in each episode or whatever. Am I saying her name wrong? Yeah, Horu. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um that's how
0: I'd say. It. I mean, I'm sure there's. I'm sure we might pick up the occasional listener of this particular episode who's never listened to the podcast before, and they're gonna have to realize we we really like Star Trek, but we're we we're not like super fans. Yeah,
1: yeah. and I'm I'm sorry. I know I know it's it is. It, 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 mm. We should we should focus more on watch rewatching mm. or watching the original series and that kind of thing. But if anything,
0: we're exactly the kind of people that these things need to appeal to. You, you know, there's a brilliant core audience who are fanatical about these mm-hmm. tv series and shows but they're not going to um attract the budget of a 60 million dollar production or a 100 million dollar production or 200 million dollar yeah. production that's needed to make these things hit yeah so people like us need to enjoy it as well uh-huh. and just because we don't understand the rules of three-dimensional chess doesn't mean we can't appreciate it as a nice bit of set dressing <laughs> yeah exactly
1: <laughs> Um, But one thing that has frustrated me when we've watched uh, seasons of the original series is that the female characters get really short shrift. Hmm. Um, You get the kind of disposable ones, which are Kirk's... Godly bird for the week. yeah. Um, He's
0: fucked a lot. I mean, like, literally, there must be little bewigged children
1: (laughs) in every every planet. Yeah. Um, But... But well, not like that. is one of the crew and she's got an yeah. important job to do. And I always felt in the episodes that I've seen from back then that she was underused. Mm-hmm. And while she's in this film a bit more than she might yeah. be in an episode, I still think she's yeah. underused. I would like to have seen her more um and, you know, throw in a bit more stool as well. Not Scotty because I don't like him. I think he's annoying. Um, and Chekhov. What about when Simon Pegg play, plays Scotty? How do you feel about that? Oh yeah, because that improves it. <laughs>
0: well, it might as well be called Scotty at the Star Trek.
1: <laughs> I, I, I get that Simon Pegg is is kind of universally popular because of his f- films and that. But are we,
0: are we like we like uh, some of his films as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: yeah. Um, I've got nothing against him, but you know, why don't you get a Scottish answer? <laughs> I mean, there's plenty to choose from um anyway th- that aside i'm, I'm not he's he, i don't like his character because he's so and he's he's just like this in the films he is in the tv series so ornery all the time <laughs> like it's lighting up i know it can't be great having to fix everything that goes wrong on the ship
0: and the ships always yeah one, one of the running jokes of this is they they've they've taken the enterprise out well too early because it hasn't been fixed it's, yeah it's, it's going for a refurb and uh, pretty much nothing works um so that, that's quite a nice touch it's stolen from Empire Strikes Back like, yeah. kind of you know, is the hybrid drive ever going to get fixed mm. um, but it's a nice little running joke again something that probably more could have been made of but then you get more Scotty on screen mm. I did think Scotty and Ahura had a lovely moment where you know, they've, they've clearly got a little little unrequited romance going on
1: yeah I don't like that uh, okay. she can do better yeah she definitely can
0: but <laughs> <laughs> the boys are out camping mm. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, and cuddling, cuddling in a massive kind of uh, columns as well with they're on the jet boots.
1: It was also a good <laughs> bit because um, essentially it was Scotty saying, you know, it's not right to uh, to have sex with a, a woman who's been brainwashed. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the equivalent of saying, you know, if yeah. she's drunk or roofied, back off. Yeah. Um, so another another important moral lesson from Star Trek. Very
0: rare to see the message of consent in an eighties <laughs> blockbuster. <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: yeah, so um, that, that I I would have that that is a nice scene and it is it does sort of like tick the box of what I want. Just a couple more of those, I think I would have mm. liked.
0: Okay. Um, anything else you didn't like? Nope. It all happy are you? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, what did you think of the main villain? Played by is it Lauren- yeah, played by Lawrence Luckeville.
1: Um, he was fine. I mean, he didn't look much like a Vulcan except for the ears. Yeah. Um, he. It turns out. Don't want to ruin the twist, but you've probably seen it. Um, mm. That he's. Uh, Spock's half brother. Spock's half brother. Yeah. Um, and they don't look alike. No. Um, but.
0: The part was originally written for Sean Connery. Oh, okay. Which I think is probably something the film is lacking in terms of...
1: Yeah. It,
0: it should have maybe been someone more famous. Yeah, I mean, it'd be, I think it'd be hard to get a Sean Connery or a Paul Newman or a Gene Hackman into the role. But mm. it really kind of needs that.
1: Do you know what? Sean Connery would have actually been good in that role. Because one thing I would say is that he is morally ambiguous for quite a lot of the film. Yeah. Like, he's clearly the, the baddie of the piece. But he doesn't do not really hurt anyone apart from hmm. the fact that he is kind of brainwashing people. But he's one of which is why I mean, it's why fanatics are so dangerous. They can come across as being very yeah. reasonable people, and what he wants sounds fine when you first hear it. A
0: life without fear,
1: where we yeah. don't prove God exists, and then you know you realise that he's mad, yeah. <laughs> as you always do as, with these as they, people, as they, as
0: they always fuck it up. Yeah. <laughs> um, but. I
1: think the guy playing him does quite a good job of that he's, he doesn't he, he seems like quite a nice man mm. <laughs> you know you wouldn't instantly
0: think, think he's a, the, he's the, a nasty man the, guys, the guy who plays him it gives one of the best performances in the film I think the problem is for this to be a financial concern Star Trek 2 worth of calm was you know an action, a real spectacular mm. Star Trek 3 continued that story Star Trek 4 had the hook of wouldn't it be fun to see the Star Trek crew around 80s San Francisco. And, you know, so you have the fish out of water, which is very popular mm. Star Trek V doesn't really have a hook to bring in a, you know, a wider audience. And that's where you go, do you know what? Let's spend 10 million extra and get a Jack Nicholson. Mm. Oh, <laughs> he's doing Batman. Yeah. Let's get 10 million extra and get Sean Connery. I know he's doing Indiana Jones the Last Crusade. Uh-huh. And at that point, the studio should have went, do you know what? If we can't get an A-list name into the villain role, Let's not release this <laughs> in the summer. Yeah, I think the person I would have, if I was playing it cheap, the person I would have put in the role is James Carner.
1: Oh, yeah, because he's so likeable. He's got that Rainmaker
0: kind of quality. Yeah. He'd come in and kind of uh, con the town. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, yeah. and good use of someone that everyone likes who probably wasn't being used to his best abilities in the 80s. Oh, yeah, that would have been a good choice. Mm.
1: Yeah, and he probably knows them.
0: Yeah, he probably is mates <laughs> with all of them. Yeah, yeah.
1: Probably goes to the same tanning salon. <laughs> <laughs> and hair restorer. <laughs> um, yeah, that is a good point. Mm. It didn't really occur to me whilst I was watching it, because like you say, the guy who d- played in that character does a, a yeah, pretty good job.
0: His performance is great. Yeah, there's, there's no negativity towards the actor, but just for this to be a marketable concern, that's really what the movie needed, like kind of yeah, better special effects, maybe a little bit more action to be in play against so many kind of box office titans is what it was up against. Yeah. But if he if yeah, like I say, an A an list villain probably would have would have changed its fortunes a little bit. Yeah, hmm.
1: yeah. He's got quite a nice little um what would you call him? Assistant. Assistant. Yeah. yeah. For,
0: for first follower. Yeah. yeah. Um
1: <laughs> who's got a slight look of that guy from The Hills of Eyes. Michael Berryman. Berryman. Yeah, yeah. that's right. I quite liked uh Nimbus Free the,
0: mm. the, it, it looked like Mad Max Beyond Dome in costume and design and everyone's got homemade guns and yeah. it, it worked quite well for me. Uh, it was a
1: good world that they built there. Yeah. I
0: really like the opening, uh, the prologue, where it, it started off almost like a spaghetti western, mm-hmm. then turned into almost like a biblical epic yeah. and it felt a much better quality than a lot of the rest of the film.
1: Yes, yeah, there is a significant difference between Nimbus 3, mm. which does look like, you know, a wasteland kind of uh, planet, yeah. as compared to, uh, what's it called? Shakari. Which looks like Arizona through some purple cellophane. It was exactly <laughs> what it was. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: but, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what you can mm. do. And personally, I quite like the idea of uh, the Enterprise versus a Klingon Bird of Prey. I would have liked more mm. of that. I think the the finale could have been more than just Spock figuring out a clever wrinkle to get Kirk back on board and yeah. piece back to that particular part of the Final Frontier. Yeah. I, I would have I would have preferred maybe a little bit of battle and evasive manoeuvres. I know that fan, true fans don't see Star Trek as an action adventure franchise, it's, mm-hmm. it's a philosophical musing on on humanity. Mm. But I, I've, I've paid my seven bucks. So I, I want a little bit of laser fights.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. the, the, the end, There isn't much uh, sense of danger or peril or whatever yeah. at the end, is there? A...
0: Uh, Kirk runs up a mountain, which we know he could have climbed, <laughs> like Tom Cruise of Mission Impossible 2, if the shots are right.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Think how many times Tom Cruise must have watched this film trying to get that right. <laughs>
0: um, let's have a little break with our regular questions. Okay. Regular questions. Mm-hmm. Who was the Michael Parks to film when everyone else was collecting a paycheck? Who put in full effort and stole the show?
1: Do you know what? It's difficult because everyone seems to be putting in about as much effort as they usually do. Yeah. Um, so I'm kind of cheating with this one. I'm just going for my favourite person in the film. Okay. I know who that is. With Nichelle Nichols. Oh, okay. Yeah. I thought you were going for the first Kelly. Oh, well, no. He's, no, <laughs> I, I do... he is my favourite character. Yeah um in the series but um he just every time we saw him in this film he just looks like such a little old man in mm. it he's he, he looks older than anyone yeah. else and you just want to give him a little hug and pop him to bed with some <laughs> cocoa so it was it was a bit it was a bit painful seeing him um so i can't this time go for him as my favorite yeah. on screen Understood. Yeah. um so i michelle nichols who would be my second favorite Anyway,
0: and why, why did she? Why did she uh, stand out?
1: Because she pops <laughs> in every scene. She just looks amazing, and yeah. she's really kind of like going for it. Um, even when she's meant to be dancing, and it's definitely not her. Um, it's definitely her legs. It? Yeah, that's, that's yeah, you know, not the legs of a woman in her fifties. Think about Tina Turner. They're they're not, they're not, they're not,
0: they're not not an obviously young woman's leg. She did, she did the dance, the fan dance to attract uh, the the lookout party or distract them. Yeah. Uh, It's a great little moment. And you don't, you really don't realise when you're watching it until it gets close that it's supposed to be a horror of doing a nudie fan dance.
1: Yeah. I think Uh, it's meant to be keep like, and then it gradually gets closer and you you realise because it's mainly legs for most of it.
0: Um, I completely agree with you, she's not, oh, like, She's my number one on oh, there as well, I think nice. she did great in this film, yeah. uh, it, it feels, obviously there's so much more they could do with her and give her m- even more spotlight, but then it's unfair on the people who aren't part of the trinity of the main three yeah, characters for her to get more to do, but she, whenever she's on screen she lights it up and the bits of businesses she gets given work the best out of everyone. Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. She knows what she's doing, yeah. Running that damn ship,
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: Chekhov pretending
0: that he's a captain. Yeah, no, no. I am Captain Chekhov. No one believes you, mate. <laughs> <laughs> um, any product placement who kicked in some cash? I don't
1: know. Oh, I mean, there cause... was one obvious bit. Oh, I don't know because presumably when they were in Yosemite Park and yeah. doing it was one of them wearing Nikes or something. I don't no, know. No, 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 uh...
0: They drink some jack daniels around the campfire oh do they And it's, it's, a, it's an obviously branded butler jack daniels so oh i didn't realize
1: yeah oh well, there you go so jack
0: daniels kicked them in is there any space product of the future that you'd love to come into play you want some the jet blue boot?
1: juice looks quite nice yeah, the blue juice. Not, not the jet boots they look yeah. though they can take a lot of weight it yeah. would seem <laughs> I all think three that, of them ride around on spots jet boots at one point
0: they're only really good if you want to go directly up or directly down <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or hover like, sideways doesn't seem to be an option.
1: <laughs> you might be able to if you're lean. <laughs> they just never needed to go sideways.
0: I'm also not sure how he hits the brakes on them. Is it a toe system inside the boot? <laughs> Willpower. <laughs> uh, if
1: there's
0: one change you could make to Star Trek V, The Final Frontier, what would it be to
1: improve it? I've kind of already said this, but I would have more of the lesser characters. Yeah. I would, personally. Yeah. I'd have more Huru. I'd have more Sulu.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: it's the only real thing that could improve it for me yeah i i think
0: the ending where kirk gets to meet and uh outwit god should have eventually emphasized more what that creature was if it wasn't god it yeah like been... oh it's that
1: bloke who was really bad so we sent him beyond the barrier into a Personal. yeah or, or,
0: or the devil or yeah. something like that and I, I, i'm i fine i'm fine i'm fine with the mysteries that it has but i would have liked to see some kind of final form
1: mm.
0: uh, because i don't think anyone watching it by the end thought kirk beat god we we all just think it's a wizard of oz situation Kirk yeah. beat someone pretending to be the wizard
1: yeah
0: yeah um where would you cast james Fader in this
1: difficult because obviously you can't like replace any of the main characters mm-hmm. um to add new characters you know you kind of have more plot and stuff like that so mm-hmm. i would introduce him as a new character i would lengthen the film mm-hmm. maybe have him as a kind of like new yeoman or something but he's like kirk's nephew so it's a bit awkward yeah because um, there are similarities yeah, yeah.
0: O- always romancing yeah yeah like, like kirk Eastie.
1: Yeah. yeah, then you could have had the nice romantic moment between Spader and Ahura, um, which is a lot Ooh. more believable than
0: <laughs> Scotty. <laughs> for James Doe, I eh? um Our new question, we've got a new question coming in for the yeah. regular questions. Should there have been a sex scene?
1: I mean, no, because mm. <laughs> it's a family film. Yeah. Um, but if there were to be a sex you scene... You can if... have
0: sex scenes that aren't explicit.
1: Yeah, I suppose so. We never even see any beds.
0: Yeah, that is true.
1: Apart from in the medical room.
0: But 60s Enterprise is a, is a hotbed of people running in and out of each other's rooms. Mm. And, you know, short short leave intergalactic trim hunts.
1: Yeah, is not allowed on short-leave for some reason. <laughs> She's got to stay on the ship uh, for no good reason. Um, there is a slight suggestion at the end where um, Sulu and uh, Chekhov are... Um, what, what's it called when two men go out on the prowl together? Bird dog or dogging, yeah. wing manning, or something yeah. like that um, at, the, at the cocktail party. Oh,
0: after the um, the Klingon <laughs> lady warrior. Yeah,
1: yeah. They, they they both kind of are making their way towards the Klingon. Yeah. female che- commander. Checking out her, her movements. Yeah, and then they see the yeah. Klingon <laughs> the, the, male captain. Yeah. Capt- capt- <laughs> fuck her, no. <laughs> <laughs> so he kind of blocks them. Mm. Um, I think you know they could have had a when they, when they all they all kind of ended up at one point. On the Klingon ship. Yeah. I <laughs> suppose they could have walked, opened a door, and Sulu, Chekhov, and the Klingon lady were peeping over the sheets. Wah wah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Plus, that means that Sulu and Chekhov could have a bit of action together as well.
0: Yeah, because in the, the Kelvin timeline, Sulu is, is, is a gay gentleman. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, which is also our final question this mm-hmm. week. Is Star Trek V the final frontier? 1989, worse or better than Bad Boys?
1: (laughs) I know I'm making no friends with this, but um, I honestly I enjoyed it more, so I have to say that it's better. And
0: I would agree with you. I thought it's better than Bad Boys. Yeah, I I struggle to say it's a perfect blockbuster, but I yeah we watched it this morning, and it entertained me all the way through, and I loved the characters and I loved the actors, and I was very happy, and. Yeah, there's bits, that, there's special effects that don't work or it doesn't have a lot of action in it, yeah. but it doesn't need it when you're constantly entertained. Yeah. Yeah, uh, you know, I think, you know, we've... To compare it to a film which it does the same job but better than, do you remember that penultimate Harry Potter film where they're just in the woods for, like, a couple of weeks and nothing really happens yes. they just wander the woods? Yeah. It's that but better. You know, it is just all the characters love in Star Trek going on a little intergalactic journey to see God, and they make far more fun out of it as a concept than you know the harry potter kids camping and being miserable
1: but that's the key word it's Mm. fun because that that harry potter film was interminable because there was no fun
0: nothing happens in it
1: yeah whereas this was Hmm. yeah exactly. if you're a fan
0: of Harry Potter shoot yourself if you think that's a good <laughs> <Yeah>. film <laughs> yeah, but they're fanatics as well aren't they yeah exactly in their own way yeah <laughs> <laughs> following the chosen one yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so there we go next episode special
1: yeah, yeah we've special got our very episode. first
0: special guest
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> we're bringing uh, a Klingon warrior into the bed <laughs> 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 who is it Natalie
1: um, it is our friend Gronny Maguire
0: a comedian Gronny mm-hmm. Maguire yeah
1: Who is um, taking a bullet for me, so I don't have
0: to watch... Vengeance of She, a hammer horror film, Uh uh, the sequel to Ursula Andres' She. Mm -hmm. Um, So me and Granny will be watching that. Natalie will be joining us to find out just how bad it was. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, we'll see you for that episode. Yep, thank thank you you for listening. Yeah, Thank you guys.